0: Hey guys, so this is the second episode of our podcast, School Playbook. Uh, today we're missing Michael and Josh, but we have a special episode today. We've had the opportunity to interview a few of the administrators in our school, and let's go to the interview.
1: Hi guys, this is going to be our uh, interview. We're going to be interviewing our administrators at our school. We have our we have Miss Ellis, we got Mr. Simmons, we got Mr. Norris. Um, Mr. Simmons is the dean of high school. Uh, Mr. Norris is the dean of middle school, and Miss Ellis is our principal. And we just wanted to ask them questions on how administration has been working, how what decisions have been made concerning COVID, and how teaching has been. And to start it off, just want to ask like a broad question to you guys: How and why did the school plan to go um, come together, and what do you expect from students concerning academics?
2: Those are good questions. They want me to start? Um, how and why our school plan came together? Uh, there. I have multiple roles, not only as the principal and director, but I also um, am the school nurse. Mm-hmm. And so as things started happening in the spring, um, we started our planning way back in the spring. Uh, we had no idea what was going to happen, but uh, with lots of research and we kept our fingers on the pulse of not only schools in Utah, what was happening uh, throughout the nation. Uh, what was coming down from the cdc what was coming down from the health departments Um, things were rapidly changing you know by day by week um, and keeping our pulse on what that was like Um, knowing that education was going to change in one way or another Um, mostly in the delivery and how to keep everybody safe and so one of the big main things we came out with um, was the crisis schooling that happened in the spring wasn't something we could sustain. And Mm -hmm. so um, as our school, what did we want that to look like and so that we could drive that um, and not have it driven for us. And so what were the important things to our community? We sent out a lot of surveys this summer um, seeing what, what it was our community needed um, but the overarching thing is what is the mission of our school because that always drives everything and um, we call it the ma- you know the magic funnel what just because we can doesn't mean we should and so what gets through that funnel so what were the things that we needed to do as a school to serve that mission and serve our community needs so that was the main thing that drove our plan
3: and that's part of the reason why we we knew that we have a we have a population of students and teachers that we're worried about that are high risk, and we wanted to figure out a way to make it so that we could get to be as as normal as possible within that framework, right? Within mm-hmm. that, yeah. and we definitely didn't want to start with something hoping that it would get better and then have to pull back all the way, right? Yeah. To, back to the like, like crisis schooling or full online schooling and so we kicked around a lot of different ideas for how to divide the student body and as we thought about it right we're not a local like um like boundary school right like most kids commute in from throughout the county and and even other counties and so doing you know we one of the ideas we talked about was having maybe like half the kids come in the morning and then half the kids in the evening But then when you've got kids that are with carpools and coming in, right? If everybody just walked to school, that'd be fantastic. (laughs) You come home in the morning, go home for lunch and never come back. And so that's how we kind of fell on... You know, we'll split the alphabet. And luckily, I think we were within like one or two students. Like the first half of the alphabet, I think, has one more student.
2: and the other is 330. Yeah, wow. so
3: one or two students. So that was a huge <laughs> blessing. Yeah, and so that's how we kind of fell on like the A days and B days. So half the kids come on Mondays and Wednesdays. The other half comes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then the other thing that I think Mrs. Ellis was really focused on was making sure that teachers weren't going to be overburdened Mm -hmm. it's a sacrifice for everybody for to come to school right now Uh, teachers are working more than they ever have students are working harder probably than they ever have there's a lot more stress right and so fridays we set aside and said we're going to give teachers fridays to like work with students individually if they need to to prepare for the next week right Mm -hmm. because a school will only work if the teachers are here so if the teachers end up getting burned out, or if the teachers end up getting sick, like that puts us in a really, really sticky situation. And so, from the beginning, we were really concerned about making sure we had things yeah for the students, but also how are we going to support the teachers and give them the resources and the time that they need to like do those, you know, do those things. Yeah,
2: of course. It didn't make sense to me either that just by shortening the school day and keeping everything status quo, the same 30 plus kids in a class that that was gonna work. And so, you know, my, my nurse brain, my mom brain, all of that, that just didn't make sense to me how that was gonna work. And so, um, and it also didn't make sense to start out in hopes that, okay, nobody, you know, we wouldn't have to move to online or quickly or whatever. It just didn't make sense. And so what made sense was to start with this plan with all the mitigating factors in place so that we can stay in school and that was the one thing um, we found that's important Um, last year uh if you recall we actually did a remediation for two weeks at the end of school Um, and one of the things that was very telling was some some students just needed the teacher in front of them that that interaction that one-on-one and so we really felt like it was important to, to be in the classroom, um, and we could pivot either way. So if you know something happened and the state came down and said, okay, everybody has to go back to online, we could pivot either way. We could all come back together, or we could pivot to online. But bringing everybody here, getting a routine established, um, understanding what that online classroom looks like, with that specific teacher and getting those routines already in place so that you had a relationship and a connection and you understood that, that was really important to us.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah uh, So then I'll ask you, if we do go into the if we do go green, state goes green, what would that transition look like? Would it be an immediate change where everyone comes back in person, like no social distancing, that kind of stuff? or would it be like a slow change where it's like we slowly introduce more people into the class, we keep masks on, and then we we can take masks off and then we can do like not social distancing? How would that look?
2: I think that will depend on a lot of what we are working with the county health department um, really closely. Hmm. Uh, The state has mandated that the county health department is kind of in charge of the different schools. Charters are a little bit different And so I actually have a a different um, representative at the health department that I work with than, say, the districts who are bigger. Um, And so we have a great relationship uh, working. And so I think if, you know, they were to say tomorrow that, hey, you know, here's our numbers, everything is great, we are prepared to kind of pivot back to within, you know, a day or two with the technical side of it pivot back to everybody in the classroom just like the schedule we had last year very easily because of the way we structured classes we've capped our um classes at 14 that's a max you know a few more in pe of course yeah but we've capped them at 14 so that if we had to pivot back in the desks are all there and we have 28 in a class. The Chromebooks are all there. We're all the, we can just consolidate our our Google Classrooms so you're not in two sections, you're in one section and it takes a few clicks in PowerSchool to make all that work. And then we're back to ready to go.
3: Awesome. Okay. I, th- I think the I want to go back to the the first question you asked. The second half of that question was the academic expectations. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I can talk about that for the high school. Mr. Norris probably is better position to talk about that in the middle school but in the high school one of the things that happened in the spring with the crisis schooling right everything was new no one had any idea what was happening there was a lot of like fear and panic and understandable stress that students were feeling right um seniors in particular were like devastated because they had you know the boys soccer season like i remember we had a game on a thursday uh, and we had a great game, and we won, and we were doing really well. And then Friday we had practice, and then Friday afternoon is when the governor said, school's done. Like, it's all online, mm-hmm. right? And that means no sports, no all these things. I know that same day, the drama department had a big meeting about their their school play and how the mm-hmm. school play was going to be canceled. Like, kids were just, like, in, te- you know what I mean? It was a disaster. Yeah. Um, and tr- to try to do school in such a stressful state for like everybody was learning like teachers basically had like the weekend and a couple of days to figure out how to how do we make this work students were caught in the middle of all of this stuff families were you know upended and everything and so we we took kind of like some emergency procedure type stuff right some of the stuff was pass fail assignments and expectations kind of dropped a little bit because we Mm -hmm. were more concerned about other things right? right yes now that we're back, we've had 5 or 6 months of living with this pandemic and so the immediate trauma and the immediate emergency is over. Yeah. And so as we were talking, we wanted to, as a, as an administration, we were really clear about we wanted to get back to the things that make us who we are mm-hmm. as a school, right? The the deep learning and the communication and the you know, the thinking and those kinds of things. And so when we came back, even though our schedule is different, the expectations are back to where they were with, like, pre-pandemic, right? So the academic expectations are back to where they were. Students should be should be expecting, um, you know, homework, rigorous discussions, lots of critical thinking. Like, their classes, it should be back to what we were before.
4: Right.
3: Yeah. You know? um, with the added caveat of... Students on a case-by-case basis are handling this from... And they're all in different situations, right? Um, their family situation is different. Their Internet access is different. Everybody's different. And so teachers have done a great job of having some grace and understanding for the... You know, if you need maybe a little special consideration or some help with this because you can't get on the Internet until later in the, ni- in the evening or whatever, right, mm-hmm. to work with you, um, that's been fantastic. One of the things that that, we're, that I think everybody's learning with, and you guys probably are dealing with this too, right, is the online learning days. Yeah. What do you do when you're not here at school? Those are still school days for us, right? And so students can expect to be engaged in academic work for six or eight hours. The awesome part about doing it online at home is you don't have to do it all in a row. Yeah. Right? Well, I don't know about you guys, but, like, set up a routine, right wake up you can sleep in a little bit sure yeah. <laughs> right but don't sleep in till 10 or 11 right get up early take a shower have breakfast we always we've been recommending to students like get dressed in your school uniform right even if it's just the polo right do something to kind of get yourself in that mode and then if you need to do do some schoolwork for a couple hours, take a break, go to lunch, just come back, go a couple more, you know, like that. You've got a lot more flexibility and agency as students this year in how you're approaching it. Um, but that expectation is still there. Teachers are posting, you know, videos online for you to watch, you're checking in, you're doing your reading, you're doing your math, those kinds of things. Um, but you have a lot more flexibility. And what's awesome is you guys are learning time management skills, hopefully. You're learning time management. Hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> you're learning time management skills that most people don't learn until they're in college, mm-hmm. right? Or in their early mid twenties. You guys are picking them up starting in like seventh and eighth grade, right? You're in, and then through high school, and so that's a that's a really fantastic unexpected byproduct.
0: Well, and I want to ask you this question because I actually I was kind of interested in asking it with the seniors having their one year away from going to college at least or you know they might do a year of work and then they might go to college but usually the last the thing that you do after senior year of high school is to go straight to your first year of college and start doing generals Mm -hmm. do you think that it is an effective method to have a half online half regular classes for specifically seniors if that were to be a possibility for the seniors or would that be too much stress on teachers or would that just be too much kind of like to make it a permanent
1: thing yeah, to to do with seniors. Because yeah, as a college, like preparing a school, going into college is a lot different where it's like every other day, like re- mm-hmm. rarely every other, yeah. like every day classes. Sure. Do you sure. think this is like more effective or do you think going back every single day is the most
4: effective? Yeah, from a logistical standpoint, that we have that might be difficult. Mm-hmm. But I, I have seen that aspect of it that, that this does mirror kind of that college schedule a lot more and so you do get more of a like today right we have the testing center mm-hmm. set up right colleges have testing centers yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you're getting that experience and, and th- that's a good question logistically it might be a difficult thing to do yeah. um, but could definitely could be something to to think about <laughs> yeah
3: and I think it depends on what you mean by like effective right like in what way is right. it effective for preparing you for the schedule that you come across in college mm-hmm. Maybe, right? Um, Is it as effective at delivering instruction and content and fostering learning? Uh, I think you'd find people on both sides of that argument, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so part of it depends on what you're looking for and how you're gauging that, right? right? I know our middle school is probably struggling in some ways a little bit more with the adjustment to expectations and the online stuff than seniors and since we're seven through 12 school like how do you
4: yeah how do you balance some of that stuff yeah i was thinking with i was thinking of our seventh graders right they're already that's how we started our soar program Mm -hmm. which is helps them organize but here you have seventh graders coming in if you can remember going back to you're in sixth grade You essentially have one teacher you have a few specialty teachers here and there Mm -hmm. but now seventh grade you're transitioning now you've got eight teachers right and now add that additional layer for these seventh graders if i have eight different classes and I have the online things to deal with, which everybody's dealing with. Yeah. But th- for these seventh graders, it's quite a unique experience that they're experiencing this year, <laughs> right? Yeah, I Like, that. remember, they had, like,
3: last year in sixth grade, like, they still had recess. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you guys are, like, you guys are all seniors. Oh, it's been a while. a while. It's exactly. been a while since you've had recess, right? But, like, they were having recess, and now they're coming here where even in a normal year... It's a it's a difficult transition. Right? Yeah, like getting like just
1: getting used to the lunch in the first place. That was difficult. Yeah, right. and Because I have a sister in seventh grade, and I know it's a little it's been a little tough on her just because like the attendance thing. Mm-hmm. It's just like you have multiple different teachers to keep up with, and attendance because you've got a turn in assignment every single day that you're not here for attendance, and I was just,
3: it's just a little difficult sometimes. Yeah. And so for you know the seventh graders where everything's new. It's a lot more to take. Where you know, you guys as seniors,
0: we're used. You're, to it. You're,
3: you're, you know, you might not be. You might be used to, You might not, even if you're not used to it. Mm. You've developed skills. I mean, you guys are 17, 18 compared to my son who's in seventh grade who's twelve. Yeah. Like that's a big
0: <laughs> like, <and> it's a <laughs> habit. It's a you
1: know yeah, we had I mean. five years to get you used that, to yeah. our And you guys have now.
3: been here the whole time and so you're like, yeah. oh yeah, this is how we do things here, right? You kind mm-hmm. of know that routine and that schedule and stuff like that.
4: Right. So
2: But Logan that you bring up a good point. That's kind of the silver lining of your experience this year is you are developing some really good skills yeah. that are going to transfer, mm-hmm. that you're gonna take in a lifetime, not just for the next year, you're gonna utilize these. And so for you, your your senior year experience will be different, but in some ways, that silver lining is you've got a, a whole other layer that we've never experienced before. Right, and yeah. so there there's growth through this trial.
0: Yeah, no, there's a, it really is a time to be alive. Like, this is a very new experience.
1: Um, and then, so I just wanted to ask a quick teaching question. So, Mr. Simmons, Mr. Norris, you guys are, more, um, you guys teach more often. Um, what do you, like, what do you see with students? Like, has this been easier? Like, what is, like, the easiest things? What have been, like, the biggest challenges? Like, what do you see going on with students?
3: Like, for students or from our side is, like, teaching? From your side is teaching.
4: Well, I mean, one thing it definitely gives going through this experience. I teach two periods, and so I we're seeing that teacher aspect, and it definitely gives me more compassion and understanding to see what the teachers are having to deal with from their side, mm-hmm. right? Trying to manage all the dates and have everything posted, and I found that I usually hadn't. I usually don't work from home, right? I try to leave it all here at school, but to for the beginning of this year, I have been having to do some things at home and i'm thinking just, just i thinking, teachers are probably in that same boat probably you know it's just a reality of the situation we deal with and now once we get into routines and maybe if the bus schedule dies down a little bit for me i'll have yeah. some time during the day possibly to do that but de- i mean it definitely has added another layer for the teachers to navigate all this and i think that say i've been asking my students right feedback on How's Google Classroom going? And what are, do you have any tips that can help and help students manage that? And because again, we're all using Google Classroom, but you have eight teachers that might be utilizing it differently. Yeah. So as students, you have to adjust to, all of the Google Classroom routines and all of the in-class routines, so it's like doubling kind of what you're having to, to manage. Yeah, it is a doubling effort.
3: Um, I think in the high school, I think in the high school, it's a similar thing. So I teach um, two periods, and then I've got soccer at the end of the day. So it's three three periods out of the day that I'm te- like teaching, right? Yeah. And I was going to be teaching four, but because of where we are, one of the classes didn't have enough students to like really make it worth.
0: To teaching, not make a class that's
3: working. Right? My directed readings class, there was one person enrolled in it because they needed yeah. to take other things, right? And so one of the things that's been difficult uh, as a teacher and that I've heard from other teachers as well is when you, part of teaching is you kind of get into a groove day to day, right? You see the same groups of students day to day. You have the same classes. You kind of know where you are. The way that we have it set up, so like in my concurrent Roman English class, we've got, we have the same group of students on Monday and Wednesday, and then Tuesday and Thursday we have another group, right? And so on Monday we have a conversation about the reading, Mm -hmm. and then on Tuesday we actually have the same conversation, and then Wednesday we shift gears, and then Thursday we have the same conversation we had on Wednesday, right? And so... It's, that's different than how you normally would do it, where just every day is something kind of new and coming. Mm-hmm. And then, on top of that, having to remember, okay, on Monday, I need to make sure that there's an assignment ready to go so it shows up Tuesday morning for the kids who are doing online learning so that when they come to school on Wednesday, we can have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And every teacher that I've talked to has had a, at least one time where like they've even forgotten to post it. They thought they hit schedule and they didn't, right? Or, because we've told our teachers, like, have everything posted in the morning, right? Because if we want kids to wake up early and develop those good routines and good habits, wake up, get dressed, get ready, check out what you need to do that day, and then schedule your day accordingly, right? you can't do that if you've got assignments coming in throughout the day. Yeah. Right? And we learned that back in the spring. That was one of the things that we learned, yeah. right? That was a disaster. That was a nightmare for everybody. And that so would, we've said... That assignment
0: would pop up at yeah, 6 p.m. Yeah, at 6 like, p.m. Oh, you're getting, you're, you're thinking you're
3: done day. with... Yeah, exactly. You, you're thinking you're done with everything. You're getting ready to watch Netflix and just relax and kind of, <laughs> you know, a little bit. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shoot, i got to read 30 pages by tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know? And so for teachers, we're having to relearn routines because the ones that we've done, we've had teachers that have been teaching for 20, 30 years. Yeah. Right. That's a long time, right, that now you're having to adjust your routines. Yeah. Right. We've got teachers who've been teaching for one or two years, and they're like, okay, I just learned how to do it, and now i got to switch. So that's hard, too. So. But, but by and large, I think our teachers are doing a fantastic job. Of handling that they're so worried about their students and what's going to work for students and how to help them and so we've got teachers that like we've got teachers who are learning entirely new technology just so that they can make yeah. things accessible and simpler for their students which I think is I think that's fantastic
0: no, yeah, awesome. and the. I just want to say that you guys, as teachers and administration, have been so phenomenal because, like, with what everything that's going on, like, just like you said, it's just it's breaking habit and trying something new, and so seeing that and getting to hear your perspectives is amazing. Um, I did want to ask before we moved on to our next question to Mrs. Ellis. You've taught classes before, I believe, anatomy and nutrition, or
2: uh, an intro to health science, intro to health and science, and then I did the capstone class when it was just a little bit different. That um. We kind of modified and made the leadership class in eighth grade
0: right so are you teaching any classes this year and
2: i'm not i'm subbing a lot okay and i have a lot of other responsibilities with all of this going down that take a lot of my time and effort right um and my main thing i listen to a lot of students and i'm grateful and i'm blessed to have um these guys as dean of students that kind of field all of the student issues but in all of this like i have to consider the burnout of teachers Mm -hmm. and that because the natural byproduct is when i build them and support them the natural byproduct comes to you guys as students and so that's one of the things that you know as we're putting this whole plan together um one of the things that you guys mentioned you know our online version we have students who are entirely online, but they're through the state online system. Mm-hmm. Um, and we chose that very strategically for those that wanted a complete online, you know, were high, higher risk and, you know, chose to be complete online versus having the our teachers try to teach online only and in the classroom and keep the remote learning days going. Because essentially that's three...
0: different Mm -hmm. aspects
2: of teaching and i as an administration when we talked about it i just didn't see where that was sustainable either for on their end and which was why we chose to do our online system that way they're still our students but they are on in the state online system so that's one thing that you know we have to keep our finger on the pulse of Burnout for teachers, burnout for students, um, and keeping us all And you know, one of our mission goals is communication. And so keeping those lines of communication open and not just, you know, getting so frustrated and exploding, but having a conversation of what's working, what's not working, Um, increasing collaboration with the staff. We just got out of a department chair meeting where, you know, they're keeping their fingers on the pulse of their departments as well as we're checking in all of the time. what what's working they're collaborating um miss gerber has created a um a digital classroom for us to share like best practices and hey this is working here's a here's a how-to to to do this Mm -hmm. you've never done this before but so we have a a library of wealth for that um just we're creating resources daily to to help support students and teachers to to make us be the help us be the best we can be Mm -hmm. and quite honestly you know when I talk to um, different people everybody's like oh how are you handling this how are you doing that and quite honestly I think no matter what challenges we have I think for what we're trying to do we're at the best possible spot we could be in
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and we're not stuck in a rut where we can't pivot Mm -hmm. easily to say you know when we get feedback from students that hey this is really not working. Great. Let's work together and create something better.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So,
4: yeah, awesome.